0: Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. Uh, I was fortunate enough a couple days ago to interview Mike Weaver. Mike Weaver is the uh, director of Region 4 of the NTCA. Uh, Many of you guys may know him. And uh, what's really interesting is uh, I've recorded an interview, which I'm going to play here in a second. So, with that said, you cannot call in because this won't. It's a live show now as I'm speaking, but uh, it, it won't be once I start playing a recording. But if you have any questions after the recording is over, I'll, I'll stay on for a few more minutes for uh, for questions if you have it. Let me give you that call-in number: three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. So let me go ahead and play the interview, and I think you'll find it quite interesting, especially if you don't know what a false mud bed is. So take a listen, folks. All right, we are on the phone with Mike Weaver with Trendsetter uh, Tile and Stone. Mike is the uh, NTCA Region 4 Director, and I happened to hear a real interesting technical roundtable on your, on your YouTube, NTCA's YouTube, about false mudset. But before we get into that, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the business.
1: Uh, well, let's see. I, I started around 1996 as a helper. And um, I worked with a lot of guys. Uh, I was fortunate that I had many different installers to work with, so I got to see some of the good habits and the bad habits that everybody has and everything like that. And, I, and um, as I moved on in the industry and started a business of my own, uh, I partnered up with Garrett Gaspard, and we've been working together for about 10 years, and we specialize in, in uh, bathroom tile installations, curbless entry, Waterproof shower systems and um, evaluations of installation failures and everything. And um, I became the uh, NTCA Region 4 State Director, and I'm a board member with the NTCA. And I basically help to show contractors the benefits of membership and promote qualified labor within the tile industry
0: sounds good and uh, as you're aware ntca is a sponsor of this show so we really support you guys and just just love the work you're doing now what's what's interesting is especially here in florida as you know we're, we're both in florida we have a lot of interesting um uh should i say failures that exist and one of the things that caught my attention in the in the round table was this thing called a false mud set and you had a really good explanation Could you, could you explain everyone what a because people outside of our area might not know what that is, although I'm sure it exists in other other states. But what is this false mud set? Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah,
1: basically, uh, you know, we have a lot of problems with slabs that are uh, not flat. You know, they, they may be at a level, but the bigger issue really is that they're just not flat. So once tiles started getting larger, you know, sometime around in the 90s, uh, installers needed to install these 18 by 18 or 20 by 20 and with very little grout joint and they needed a very flat substrate and they didn't know how to use self-levelers properly. You know, they were very expensive at the time and everything. So this method, which I don't know where it originated from, it could have come from Europe and people have said that, you know, um, it was a, a brick layers type of thing, a stone basin type of thing. And, and mm-hmm. tile installers had adopted it. And what they could do is they could correct the floor while they were installing. So they would use a, a fat mud, which most of the time would wind up being a mortar mix, stucco mortar mix that you can buy off the shelf, ready-made and everything. And they would use thinset as the, the bonding layer. So basically what they would do is they would take thinset, mortar, scratch the substrate, and then apply these blobs of mortar mix and chop them up with a spade trowel. And then on the back of the tile, they would scratch coat that with things as well. And then Mm. you put this all together and you take a rubber mallet and you beat it in and you can, you can achieve a very flat floor with it. You know, you you're correcting as you go, you put a level on every single piece and you can get from one side of the house to the other. And this is a, this is a very flat floor. But um, it has some problems where it makes it so there's certain membranes that you can't use that you would otherwise use. It reacts poorly with sound control. And, um, you know, it, it has an, you know, a lifespan that you can't determine. It's, it's the, the way that I found out that this method was incorrect because when I first learned how to install tile, the installers that I worked with, this was one of the methods that you could use. So, oh, we've got ah. a really large tile. This floor is in terrible shape. Okay, we're going to do what at that time we were calling it a, a marble set or a mud set. And right. I'm like, all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that type of method. And some years later, when I started working off on, on my own, I, it was around maybe 2008. I started Trendsetter in 2007. But around 2008, I was talking with a rep from uh shooter systems. I told him, Oh, you know, yeah, we're doing this and that, but you know, we, 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 how can I use your uncoupling membrane with this type of method? And he said, well, what type of method is that? And, you know, and I told him to, he says, Oh, he says, I know that. method." he says, that method is not in the book. And by book, he was referring to the TCNA handbook. Right. And I was like, this, that's, that's not in the book. And he's like, no, that's, that's not in the book. And I was like, I was like, well, that's something that I use all the time, and so do a lot of guys. So we, you know, so as I started to do my own research and everything like that, I started to find out that indeed it wasn't in the handbook. And the reasons for it is really because it's it's not a proven method. While some guys may have uh, a, a high success rate with it, um, mostly because they're getting lucky, there's other guys right. that will do it and they'll just, you know, they get it wrong. And um, so I started taking it out of an option for my company. I was like, well, if the, you know, if the TCNA is not giving this a standard, why should I? So I took it out of what we do and everything like that. And over the last couple of years, I get called out for for failure sometime, and and uh, you know I'll go out and I'll find out that indeed it was uh, what we're referring to as a false mud set because um, you know there are methods of mud installation that you, can be done correctly with deck mud and and things like that, and um, so it, it's not to give mud a bad name; it's to say that this is a way that someone has taken what can be a good method by installing a mud bed ahead of time, letting right. it cure, installing tile in the thin set method on top of it, that people are trying to do it as they go. And there's, there's a lot of, a lot of drawbacks Excellent.
0: to it. So are, are you seeing mud as a dying breed, as a dying technique? Are you seeing that trend uh, at all? Well, you-
1: no, not really. I mean, you know, I, I speak with a lot of guys around the country and uh, in different, Areas of the country. Uh, it, I mean, there's some guys that every single bathroom that they do is is all mud and laugh work and everything like that, and they do it awesome and they're skilled at it and it's their thing and it works really good. So there's, it, when it's done correctly, there's not a single bad thing you can say about it. It might not be for you, and you know, in some of the younger generation of installers, you know. We're not necessarily taught that way because it is done to a lesser extent, um, especially here in Florida. I really don't see yeah. that much anymore, you know. But uh, I know that there's guys in Texas that do it and guys in California, and there's there's so many different ways to to do it correctly that, you know, I can't say that there's anything dying or bad about mud. It's just it's a little bit harder to find sometimes.
0: Right, right. Now, what about are you are you familiar with the foam the new foam methods at all? And what's your opinion mm-hmm. on that? What's your opinion there? Do you, you mean, use those? You, you know? mean
1: like foam trays and, and, yep. and wallboard yep. and stuff?
0: Exa- exactly. Yeah, uh,
1: I think that they're I think that they're really good. I think they can be a very efficient means of getting a, a bathroom done quickly as well as waterproof. Um, it's definitely a material that is sustainable and it's very hard for you know, years of use to degrade this material and deteriorate a shower. Uh, but these, just like mud set requires a, a certain set of skills to do that last shower correctly and everything like that, someone can take a foam system and they can just, they can do it horrible. I mean, it, you, your seams have to be done perfectly Everything, you know, some manufacturers may make it out to be as if it's simple. And the fact of the matter is, is that after you've done it several times, it is, it is easy. It's not difficult. But for someone that's not skilled in it, they can really do a poor job on the shower. And, you know, so you have to get the training. If, if a certain manufacturer is offering a training for their product, they're doing it for a reason. And you should get that training if you want to work with that manufacturer system.
0: I agree, hundred percent. Now, you know, in the in the technical roundtable, you I want to get back a little bit to the false mud set because I have some notes here of something I want I think that are important. That you had mentioned mm-hmm. uh, shear strength; that shear strength is is weaker in this. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, basically, you know, FinSet when it's when it's installed at a and, and the appropriate thickness, whether that would be, you know, some, you know, some things that can go as thin as, uh, you know, depending on the trowel size and what the tile is, you know, as as little as an eighth of an inch or three sixteenths of an inch, all the way up to some manufacturers would say three quarters of an inch. And <clears throat> excuse me. And all of the shear strength is based upon the coverage, the the total amount of coverage where, that is the back of the tile touching the substrate. And if it's the uh, if it was mixed properly. So if you're installing a wall wall tile and you're going up really high, you may have some feature wall that goes up higher than 11 feet. Maybe you have a 15 foot tall wall that you're tiling up and everything like that. Well, there's a certain amount of load that is being shared on that on that substrate, and the thinset is rated to Accommodate a certain matter of weight or dynamic movement, and with a with a false mud with a false mud set, which is typically done on the floor because you still have your your shear strength that's needed on a floor, a right. false mud set uses such a small amount of set mortar i mean like this is, guys are not even uh, using the notches on the trowel it. they're scratching. And it, even if you did use the notches, the, the whole method is still incorrect. But wow. because you have such a small, thin layer of thinset mortar on each of these two surfaces, there's no real shear strength as a manufacturer intended to hold it there. That Basically, you're relying on the luck of the draw that the, the, the dynamic movement of this structure will not compete with the fin set that you have bonding the assembly together so um you know that's why that that's that's one of the the main issues that can happen along with things like not being able to use certain membranes and and sound control and things like
0: that you know, it's funny, it reminded me of a story, an inspection I did down around your area a couple of years ago uh, was a porcelain tile, a 12 by 12 porcelain tile, and it was starting to starting to have some issues. Tiles were popping up, basically, and it was a few cracks, but it was mainly loose tiles. And the uh, the installer, who was a novice installer, was there when I showed up with the insurance company. And he was really, it was, this is a funny story, if you don't mind me telling this, and I've got a question for you based on this, but. Uh, he was so adamant that he did a great installation. He took a hammer out and he started banging at the tile and breaking it up. And when he we, he took it up, he says, "There, look, look how good that is." And what he basically did is he took some thinset and he troweled it on, and you could saw, you could see the trowel marks still. So there was no collapse collapse ridges. And on top mm-hmm. of that thinset, he used the uh, blob method or the dot method or whatever you want to call it, and then pressed this porcelain tile. And it didn't even bond. So, uh, so, so my question is, do you see a lot of this dot method being used down there?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's still happening a lot. Um, yep. I, that this, this also kind of coincides with the false mud set where guys were trying to solve a problem because they didn't have um, the, the proper knowledge or technique to install tiles. Properly, so what they would do is they they take a tile, and once again, this comes down to when tiles started to get larger. So you know, I started in in 1996, just about, and um, so I started seeing this stuff right away when we would go to a job and demo a job, and and we would see what did. And so what they would do is if they had a tile that was larger than 12 inches, they would just take these spots of mortar that could be the size of a golf ball or go, golf ball or larger. And then they would apply them to the back of the tile, and then they would push the tile onto the wall, and they would put it on maybe they'd just put it on gently. They, they wouldn't even like push it in hmm. to collapse these these balls of inset necessarily. and then they would try to plumb the wall out and yep. using this method. And they would go up and up and up a wall, and they might go up ten feet, and by the time they got to the, the you know the, the lowest spot or the closest spot on the wall is usually near the bottom where they would have a shower pan liner that was kind of bulging out the wall board. So they're right up against that. They've got like no fin set on that. By the time they get halfway up this, the wall, now they're off the wall about, well, three quarters of an inch. By the time they get to the top, they're one inch off of the wall with these spots. Just, you know, the, the tile's hmm. barely clinging on there because the set's not made to go that thick. And no. along with, you know, along with a weak bond, you know, you also have all of these voids that can trap moisture vapor. Um, you you also have impact problems. You know, a lot of the showers that I go to inspect and someone says, oh, you know, we're having a problem, is because I show up and I'm like, oh, okay, how old is this installation? Well, well this installation is a month old. It's a month old. Well, tell me how you realized that you had a problem. Well, the shower door guy came and he, Tried to drill into the wall and install his oh. hardware, and the grout started falling out.
0: And it's like,
1: okay, so these these installations can be bad right off the get-go. You know, um, when someone calls me up and it, you know, they they found out and it's an older installation. It's usually because they knew something was up with it the whole time because grout was was falling out. You know, or maybe they knew right away because they could see on the side of the installation that the installation was growing away from the wall. Instead of being, you know, three sixteenths from the wall with the back of the tile Mm. to the wall, it it was more, it'll be, it'll look more like a, like an inch. So there's, you know, these, these installations are, are very dangerous. You know, that's the, the big difference between a false mud set and a, a spot bonding installation is that spot bonding is definitely dangerous. The tiles are ready to fall off from the slightest impact or after years of, you know, going through the thermal cycle with the shower heating up and cooling down, these tiles can be ready to fall. With a false mud set, which is generally done on a floor, um, it, it doesn't really offer that danger. So, you know, they're a little bit different. I don't want to say one's better than the other because neither one of them are in the handbook and they can both be failures and spot bonding is definitely a failure right from the start. Uh, but a false mudset, you know, I, I tell guys, you know, it's it's not a guaranteed failure with this. You know, the guys can get lucky and have an installation that hangs out a long time and, and it can look really nice. But whenever someone is thinking of something to do with their business, you want to have something that backs you up. You want to have, you know, TCNA and ANSI standards to, to basically to, to make you whole as a contractor where it's, if something comes back and something was wrong, you can eliminate right away and say, well, everything I did in, I did in the book, I may have done something wrong, but in, in, you know, but in my honest way of going forward and doing this correctly, I try to do my best. And, and then if you did something wrong, you know, that's only human, but you you cannot go forward and do things that you know are not recognized by any sort of standard. So that's why I, I try to relate it to the guys, to to all the installers out there that, you know, uh, you want to just do things that are for sound and
0: business. You know, and I'm a real proponent of that. And I I always say that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect installation. You you can, if you really want to look close, you can pick any installation apart. But what you're saying is so true. But if you're following the guidelines, then you're, uh, well, how should I say that you, you're covered? I mean, you know, a lot of times I get called in by attorneys to look at these things. And of course, attorneys are looking for what do they do wrong? What do they do wrong? What do they do wrong? And if you know, mm-hmm. there's some minor things that that's okay. But as as long as they're following uh, the guidelines, I, I'm definitely I'm definitely with you there. So let me ask you this, mm-hmm. Mike, you know, you, you do a lot of showers, a lot of a lot of bathrooms. What What do you see as the number one failure? You can address that
1: um i mean definitely spot bonding is on the top of my list that's almost i'd say that's almost nine out of ten times when i go somewhere and someone had a problem but i also do see a problem like we were talking about like like foam showers and and stuff like that i I will occasionally see someone that maybe used even a, a topical waterproofing and they didn't apply enough coats or they didn't tie the waterproofing in along the bottom depending on what type of shower system they're doing they may you know some some guys will still put screws through a shower curb you know oh, on geez. the inside <laughs> of the top and you know uh, you know uh, uh, I'm, i don't find uh, like a, when i go on and i see a failure most of the time i can't really recall the last one that was an actual licensed contractor that I went to a job and it was a failure. Usually I'll say to the people while I'm interviewing them, I'll say, okay, well, you know, do you know, did the contractor have a license? And say, well, he said he had a license. I say, okay. They never check. That, that, you know. <laughs> right. They, they never check. And you know yeah. what? I, I, I can't fault the, the homeowner for that too much because, you know, they might meet someone and the guy is really nice and, you know, he's personable and he says he has a license. And you you, you trust them for whatever he might have said some of the right things to to you and you trust them, and that's not really the way you should go about. It. It's really easy to check and see if someone has a license. I mean, do they have a website? Um, can can you go back and look on them? Do they have a history that's good? Are there some reviews and stuff like that? Also, if they say they have a license number. This number should be on their business card or a flyer that you have from them. They're supposed to put that license number on, on all of the things that they put out to promote their business. And then you can check with, uh, you know, the local county to see if that person does indeed have that license. You know, on our website, we have uh, an article that's written that says uh, an unlicensed contractor is not a contractor. And it tells you how to, maybe research and find out whether the person that you're interviewing, because that's, that's what a homeowner is doing is they're interviewing the person that's going to be in their home, not just installing tile work, but also going to be walking through their house every day and everything like that. You should get a good feeling from this person, but it should also be backed up that they have credentials to do exactly what they're claiming that they can do for you. So you know, I, I I deal with homeowners as much as I deal with contractors. And um I really wish that, you know, I, I could make the educate customers before I get to meet them because after I meet them they already had a problem and now it's, yep. it's too late for them and you know sometimes a lot of times if I go on a shower and uh, an install um an inspection on a shower and the people have a problem, you know, these are the people that wind up doing uh, you know, a, a warranty type shower because they really, they don't want to go through this again. And so, you know, I'll, I'll offer them, you know, you can get a manufacturer's warranty with this type of shower or that type of shower. And generally speaking, I'll let them pick the manufacturer that, that they want to have and don't push one manufacturer on any customer. I'm like, okay, is that you've done some research now you're comfortable with this one. Well, so am I, mm-hmm. let's do that one. You know, so I, I want them to I want them to completely understand what they're, you know, what they're hoping to get.
0: And I think that's the best thing. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a, a friend installer of mine up in uh, New Orleans the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, that we got into the discussion of uh, how, and this is right along with what you're saying, that in the South here, you know, in many of the Southern states, we, we don't have any um, – any unions or or any you know special licenses for tile setters and it's you know i you know basically i've seen guys down here and i'm sure you've seen the same thing you know raise your right hand you got a pickup truck and a trowel and a grout float congratulations (laughs) you're an you're an installer you know and right uh, it's it's a real shame so my, my question would be what would be your advice to anyone getting into this business as far as training goes what would you suggest
1: Oh well, I mean it, it kind of starts with the uh with the people that you choose to work for, you know. So uh when I started I, I worked with a really a really awesome group of guys. They really took pride in their work. Um, you know, they they weren't gonna let some helper like me get by and do something incorrectly or slack or anything like that. And I learned a lot of great things from those guys. So when I moved on from them and I went to work with some other crews I would get to see like, this crew is just, they're terrible. Or, I don't know, we even know why they do it like that. What are they doing? And what I learned was don't stay with those guys long. If they don't take pride in their work or if you go on YouTube and you see that they're doing something like the spot bonding method and, and stuff like don't don't be a part of that, you know. So start, you know, your your tile career in a way where you're working with proper professionals. You know, because they're they're out there. You know, there's a lot of guys that are bad bad installers, and it, it, they may seem like they're paying you right and everything like that, but they're going to set you off on the wrong path. So, you know, after you're a helper and you've, you know, you know, which generally a helper you're a helper for about two years, um, maybe a little bit longer or less, and then you start becoming like uh, a, a, a better helper. They're starting to let you do more tasks and everything like that. And as you start to get to the point where you're actually starting to install Tile, you, you know, if your company is not part of the NTCA, but you see yourself like, I'm gonna, I see myself branching off here at some point and maybe starting my own business someday, Then you're looking at maybe becoming a a certified tile installer from the Ceramic Tile Education Foundation. You could also look into becoming a member of the NTCA, which year-round is going to send you the TCNA book, the the ANSI book, as well as the NTCA reference manual. It's going to offer you a technical line where you could call in at any time and say, hey, I don't know how to do this, or I'm experiencing this. You know, they will – help as much as they can to get you on the right path. And they will also direct you to a regional ambassador or a state director like myself that will, you know, help maybe even come out to your job, let you know, you know, where, where you can go from here or what the problem is and stuff like that. So they're there for the support all the way around. And so when you get to that point, You know, and you also want to look into whatever local licenses are needed in your area. You know, for for where I am, Broward and Palm Beach County, Broward has its own license. Palm Beach also has its own license. You know, I have both. And I'd say you get as many of those as you can in the areas that you work in. And if you try to put in the effort, you'll get the license. I know that it's overwhelming for some guys, and this seems like this – big path and you don't know how to do it. Look, you don't have to know exactly how to do it every day. You, you just right. have to know what you want, you know? So if you keep on that path and you keep trying, it will come to you. You will meet the people that will help you figure it out and everything like that. So just just stick with it. and it, It's really rewarding. You just, you, you have to do it all legit. You do not want to be one of those guys that has a problem down the road and you're you're in court because your tile fell off the wall and hit somebody in the head. That is just yep. that's just a terrible situation all the way around.
0: They want to see me show up on your job, is what they I say. <laughs> right, <laughs> unfortunately, right. unfortunately, they they don't call me and say, Hey, Fred, come look at these great job grading installs. I usually get the bad ones, like like you do as well. Well, Mike, this has been some yeah. great advice, some great information. Just one last thought. region four, of the NTCA. What 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 area does that cover?
1: Well, there's 12 regions for the NTCA, and Region 4 is all of Florida. So there might be some other regions where they have five and six states and everything like that. But for Region 4, I only have to worry about Florida. And they did that specifically because Florida kind of is its own its own animal because while a lot of states, you know, if you have a state like, um, I don't know, let's. Let's just pick a state uh, New York. A lot of people are are born and raised in New York and everything like that. but Florida you know we we all while we have native Floridians, there's a lot of people from other states and even other yep. countries that that come here, and so yep. we have methods from California and from New York and from all different places that come up and wind up here and it's there's a little bit of disorganization among well. How is this handled? Since we don't have the unions down here, you know, there's not this straightforward path of this is how things should be done and, and this is how it should be. So, um, you know, we're kind of working through some of the, the bad things and, and bringing them to light. The more and more we do things like this and and let people know that, you know, this isn't in the handbook or this has to, to harm people, as the word gets out, we will start to see a drop in poor methods being used, but it's going to be a regular everyday type of thing that we have to get the word out. So in region four, you know, right now that's, that's my main thing is trying to get the word out to say there's, there's better ways of doing things. It's, you know, it's not as bad as it seems because like with, uh, with a false mudset, there's a cost savings when a guy will use mortar mix as opposed to self-levelers because self-levelers can be very expensive. However, they're trading off that cost for a dramatic amount of labor. So yep. a false mudset might take you know, five guys to do 2,000 feet a given amount of time, but that same amount of footage with less people can be accomplished with a lot less labor in a shorter amount of time even yep, if the cost was a little bit higher in material you're saving the money that you would have on the labor of the ins- the amount of installers that you need and so you know guys have to take their business model and realize that they can afford to do these things the money to do a job with self levelers and all that stuff it is there as long as you're pricing it appropriately and you have skilled labor if you're missing one of those things then Yes, using a self-leveler is going to be difficult, if not impossible, for you. You have to move in the right direction. If you're going to be stuck in things that you learned and you don't even know why the guy that taught you it did it, he just did it because someone else told him, this is how we do this. You've got to go farther than that, you know. And, and one more thing just that I can say is that um, Gerald Sloan, that was formerly at the NTCA, he was, I believe he was the technical um one of the instructors there, and mm-hmm. he, he said to me, it's, it's not the jobs you do that make you successful, the jobs that you don't do. So if you get the wrong feeling from a homeowner, you shouldn't do that job. If that job is, is larger than you usually do and, and you, you know it's too large, don't do it. If there's a, you know, if there's a shower system and, and you don't know how to do it, get the proper training. Say no to that job. You'll you'll have those jobs will come back around again when you're ready and you'll do them. So, you know, just, you know, get yourself squared away with the knowledge and preparation for the things that you do and don't take on something that's not right for you.
0: Great, great advice, Mike. And uh, you know be, before we leave here, perhaps uh, if we have anybody listening in Florida, which we do, we have a we have a pretty good listenership in Florida. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Oh, they can go right to our website at floridatrendsetter.com. dot com and uh, there's a there's a contact form for the guys to uh, to reach out to me. I can help guys get uh, a reduction in their first year's membership. And uh, let them know exactly why it's, it's great. There's also, on our webpage, there's also articles for homeowners and contractors, like what is a, uh, what is a false mud set, what is spot bonding, how to clean tile and grout, you know, all of those types of things. So I encourage them to stop by floridatrendsetter.com.
0: Perfect. Well, Mike, thank you very much. It's been a wealth of information, and I'm sure we could probably go on and on and on with different issues with failure. So uh, again, I want to thank you for your time, and uh, we'll talk at you some other time.
1: All right, Fred. Thank you very much.
0: Alrighty, folks, we are back live. As I said, that was a great interview. Thanks again, Mike, and uh, hopefully you guys had learned a few things. Uh, I know I, I did as well. All right, I'm going to open the lines up uh, here uh, at 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968, and I'll be right back right after this message. Thank you, Toughskin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tuftskin guarantees it will not. Tufskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with the proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods people have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years and tough skin surface protection has done it available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish visit them online at toughskinprotection.com that's t-u-f-f skinprotection.com to learn more are you looking for quality greenstone working products ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products, Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, More Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Alrighty, folks, and we are back. I hope you enjoyed that show. Uh, some Again, some great information. I just want to mention that I still have available my Stone and Troubleshooting uh, Correspondence course available for half price. So uh, price is going to go back up once we're done with this uh, pandemic here. So uh, now would be the time to, to, to grab it. It's half price, normally $1,500, now $750. So uh, go ahead and grab it. Uh, You can send me an email at FHUESTON, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Look on my Facebook page. Uh, You might want to join our stone inspection uh, forum there on Facebook. We have a a great group there where I try to post a failure every Friday, so we get some really interesting interesting feedback on that as well. So until next week, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends.